From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. Hey, James, how are you today? Doing great, Steve, and yourself? I'm doing well. I'm uh, glad we're uh, back to talk about something that, that really came out of a conversation that we re just had with Larry in our past episode, and we'll, we'll welcome Larry Darling back from uh, the University of North Carolina uh, at Greensboro. Welcome back, Larry. Hi, thanks. And uh, as we mentioned in our last episode, if you haven't listened to it yet, episode 79, Larry's uh, uh, also a crew member uh, with the AV Super Friends, and which is another podcast that speaks to the uh, not only the AV industry, but also higher ed, which is tie-in um, where Larry and James connected uh, primarily. But uh, so check that out. And um, what one of the, you know we had a conversation off air which I think will was a really interesting is that Larry was talking about his background and how he um, started out as a programmer and 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 um, how he really always ties back to that. So Larry, I'll, I'll let you uh, kind of give us a little bit of background there. Well, uh, sure. The story came up because I was explaining why I still listen to the show, even though I hardly get to program anymore. You know, it's just not something that's part of my job description, but it's still like, I still consider myself a programmer. And so going back to my history, I spent a couple years as an installer. And then at the time, my commercial integrator was outsourcing all their programming. They saw that I was picking up some of it. So they offered to let me learn and become the programmer. And I spent a couple years doing that. Then the need arose to have more engineering in-house. And so it was a natural transition to take me from the programming side to programming and engineering. And eventually I was doing 99% engineering and very little, if any, programming anymore. But I never let them take the programming off my business card. I mean, everywhere I've been since then, I kept like programming as part of my job description and everything else, just because I still consider myself to be a programmer. And I think it's just, I found so much value in the way it teaches you to look at systems, to troubleshoot, to service, to design, that I never really wanted to give that part of the job up. Plus, it, I always thought it was the most fun of any of the positions I, I, I've had. It's the hardest to raise a family with and do everything else. But from, you know, just pure fun, programming's a blast. That, that's really cool. And I, I bet you that a lot of other people would relate to that. I know um, Tim Albright talks about that too, uh, often on AV Week, where he 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 still finds his connection to AV through programming and control and and he dabbled in programming, um, and he'll, he'll always say that there's more people that are better than him, but he he um, feels passionate about it and always enjoyed that part of the industry the most. Um, James, you're you're kind of in a similar situation where um, programming has been your mainstay for some time, and and you know with your recent move, you're you've been doing more management. Um, do you feel that same? type of connection and, and can you can maybe talk about why oh yeah I, as larry mentioned i don't think you'll ever want to get away from programming um it, it's definitely a connection it's that 
you it's almost like i'm trying how to explain it's you know being able to take multiple equipment and make them talk seamlessly or as uh, my coworker and i used to say make it blow smoke like that was pretty cool it's like the fruit of your labor like you know you go and do a pretty uh rack and saw no one really sees it and you know you hang a projector great all that stuff but if you can program a cool system and have someone come in and hit a button and go whoa everything works your fruit your labors is there and I, yes it's not view, uh, viewable like we talked about that earlier like it's behind the scenes uh things but you know it's there and it's something that's used constantly i mean we all use programming every day in our lives our phones our computers everywhere it's there in our face um so i definitely think it, there's a joy there um and as moving more into a management role, it's definitely hard. So that's why I have side projects where I work on things on my own. But I need to be able to trust my team, because I do trust my team, to do their job and to program and not me tell them how to do it. And like when I was leaving my old school and I was offloading my knowledge to the guys who were taking over my role, I tell them, I was like, look, you're going to look at my code and go, man, he was an idiot. We should do this way. I'm like, you should be doing that because I am an idiot. Just like I did the, the guy's code I did before me. I looked at him and go, he's an idiot. We should be doing it this way. You involve, you improve. But again, I don't take any offense to that. You want to share your knowledge to other programmers. Let them go up. And as Larry said, you get to know the full inner workings of the system so you can tell how a system is supposed to work and go from there uh, one of the things that i thought was interesting and, and i would agree you know i think that programmers they, they're really the the ones that have to know a little bit about a lot of things in in a system you know you, you have to know not only how the system has to work but how to talk to the different devices what each of the devices do and um, you may not know all the intricacies of the why behind the design, but you need to know how to make the bring the design to life, if you will. Um, I, I I thought it was interesting, Larry, that you mentioned you know kind of when as a programmer to a designer. Do you think that that is a natural evolution? Is that or is that just something that was right for you? I think it was something that was right for me. Uh... It's odd in the higher ed realm, most of the universities I've been to, they combine the programming and engineering role. And so if you're a design engineer for like IU, for instance, where I, I came from before I came here, all of their design engineers programmed and you were expected to design the system and then follow the system all the way through to the handoff. And I think that's a really interesting way of doing it. But for the commercial space I was at, that company was growing at the time and they were growing so fast that they were having a hard time finding adequate people to staff, very similar to what we're doing now. And so in that instance, finding a programmer that understands equipment and system flow and everything else, it's easier to teach them how to, you know, put it on a paper and, and sign it off then to people to go install than it would be to 
like bring a lead install installer or something like that because there's just that next level of knowledge about systems. It's pretty neat. I I like the idea of a designer doing programming because it 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 kind it kind of closes the loop. It probably makes you be a better designer. Um, and and James, you know, you and I have talked too about like how do you get like what what's the background that you need to be a good programmer and that and and to to me understanding signal flow and systems is probably as important as learning to write code. Oh, agree. Uh, you, there's a lot that a programmer needs to know. They need to know single flow. They need to know the design. And nowadays, not even do we have to know, you know, the commands to do hexadecimal, but now you're talking about network. So you got to know network topology and protocols on network. So Yes, I we need a little bit of everything. I see Harry uh, Larry has his hand up. Go ahead, Larry. So this is an ongoing debate that that I have, and we've discussed this on AV Super Friends multiple times. But I want to get the experts' opinion on this. You know, we're just a bunch of hacks. We're not really programmers. <laughs> you know, so I've asked this question: Is it easier to bring a programmer in and teach them AV? or bring an AV guy in and teach them how to program? I'll let Steve handle this one first. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got I, my own thoughts. <laughs> so I'm a big um, fan of understanding AV, and but, but you have to have the pro a programmer's mind, and you have to be able to have uh, a, a connection with writing code and being able to, to do that. The number one thing that I think is most important is being able to troubleshoot. If you could troubleshoot, mm -hmm. then I think that you have the makings of being successful doing programming. If you can't troubleshoot, you're not going to be a successful programmer. Just That's the hardest thing to teach. Like I haven't been able to figure out how to effectively teach troubleshooting. <laughs> I, I, real quick on the troubleshooting side, I want to say one, us programmers, and two, the technology has killed the art of troubleshooting. Because, like, just going to the IT realm of computers, used to be when a computer got, let's just say, a simple virus, you spent time to clean that virus off. Now, you hit a button to wipe it and reset it up, and you're done. So that art of going into registries and looking at all these directories is not there anymore because you don't need it. So I think we kind of killed, shot our own foot there. But I, I, my feeling with the whole... A, a programmer AV knowledge, I think it's easier to be a programmer and learn AV. And, but again, you have to be a strong troubleshooter mind and you have to be a special breed. Uh, we've talked about this before, Steve, where programmers are special breeds. Uh, so it is unique, I want to say. So it won't, there's people who won't follow this rule all the time. So, uh, but the story is, um, from when I started programming AV systems, I went to a training class. Um, I already was programming in AMX before going to AMX training class. And I'm sitting there in the programming one class. The guy sitting next to me worked for an integrator company. I don't know what company, I don't know his name, but he worked for an integrator company. When we had to go around and introduce ourselves, he introduced himself saying, he was here 
to see if they can bring programming in-house instead of going through a third party to save money. The day of the exam, the last day of the training class, he walked in and goes, I already called. He's like, fail me now. I already called my boss, told him to pay programmers wherever the hell they want because this is too hard. So I turned to him and I'm like, how much you pay? <laughs> like, it was easy. Like, so I definitely think not just knowing AV, you're not going to know program, but having that troubleshooting mind and having a that special mindset of a programmer will make a better programming in AV than someone going from AV into programming. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm similar to what you're thinking, but I tend to fall on you find the special AV guy and then you t who can grasp it. And if you can find that magic scenario, they're going to have that troubleshooting. They're going to have the system flow and then they're just learning how to do it. And that's, that's my ideal scenario. It's just hard to find that person. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. I, I keep telling everyone I came from your traditional IT. I mean, I was a, I wanted to be a network engineer. I did dabble in programming. I wrote application for the university. I, I programming knowledge. And all of a sudden one day they're like, all right, James, you're no longer working for the help desk telecommunication. You're now academic computing and you're going to do our AV programming. And I had no formal training on AV program. They gave me source code and go, oh, we want to add microphones uh, to this control, make it work. So funny enough was five years after I wrote that code, it was so working. And I go back to it and be like, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> but yeah, it, it was, um, I definitely think, cause I had I that mindset of a programmer, the skill set, the troubleshooter, like that unicorn you're looking for, Larry. Even though I came from your traditional IT side, not AV side, I didn't know microphones at that time. I didn't know single flow in AV. I knew single flow in IT, which could literally to the digital realm of AV. But so it was definitely a learning curve, the AV side for me, but not the programming side. The, the thing, the one challenge that I would say with regard to somebody coming from traditional programming into AV is that it's basically you taking away a lot of their tools and they can yeah. cr create a lot of frustration. So, so yeah. if we, you know, they, 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 they kind of feel like we're, we're handcuffing them. And, and I feel like if you're, if you don't have the real passion for this industry and for what we do, I don't think that you're going to last long. All the manufacturers have always tried to base their stuff on, you know, IT standard code or or uh, programming languages, and it's always different enough that you just make the people who are used to the real thing very very frustrated. <laughs> yeah, no, they they claim they're oh you know we're using Python or C yeah. sharp or what. They're not. They're using their own thing. This is what my big pet peeve with AV industry in general. Get on IT standard. Yep. Use true Python. Use true C sharp. Use this coming language. Even your network protocols should be using standard protocols, not this. I can't take brand X and Y. I mean, think about this in the IT world. If I had a Dell computer and I want to talk to Larry who had an HP and that wouldn't happen. We will lose our mind, but we accept it in AV. Yeah. Why? Well, let's fix this. But sorry, that's a little tangent on my. No, no, it's a good tangent. And 
the industry is being absorbed by IT. And if we don't get on board quicker or sooner rather than, than later, you're going to have some, some major companies that do not sur survive the coming years. Uh, I've been saying that from day one. And no one wants to listen to me. And just to give some context, because this could be listened uh, at some future date, a lot of what we're talking about, too, it results from the fact that we're sitting in a situation where it's difficult to get certain products. And when you're tied to brands that um, are exclusionary or that are have walled gardens, as we tend to refer, you, you're, you're kind of in a bad spot. And, and I think that we're going to be seeing some shifts to alleviate that in the future, which is, I think are all good things. It's change is not bad. Change is, change is good. Change is good. But in my history, AV folks don't like change. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Well, that, that's probably a good place for us to wrap this one, but uh, always a great conversation. And, and this is one that I'm sure we'll come back to. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for bringing up that question and for, for kind of, um, leading the conversation there. Um, how could people get in touch with you, um, learn more, not only about your day job, but also about uh, the AV super friends podcast, uh, for the AV super friends, it's LinkedIn or Twitter on Twitter. It's at AV super friends. And then for myself personally, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. And my Twitter handle is at LS darling one. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, and James, how can people get in touch with you and um, know what you're up to? And if you have any, uh, you know, closing remarks that you wanted to uh, share to put a bow on this one, go ahead. Oh, I mean, put a bow on this one. Larry, thank you again. Uh, this was a great conversation. Um, the AB Super Friends always have great discussion. They're very knowledgeable. So I do recommend the folks listening to this go over and listen to AV Super Friends as well because uh, you're going to learn from those guys as well um, as always you can find me on Twitter AV underscore James King especially on Sunday morning with AV in the AM discussion that's where Steve and I met LinkedIn a little bit not as active I do write for the higher ed digital magazine IT and AV column HEPMA anything with HEPMA again Google me you'll find me you guys are very involved in a lot of things, and I, I appreciate that. And that's uh, that's what makes what we do so important. Um, for, for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media, um, do some writing for AV Network, Commercial Integrator, um, my company blog at controlconcepts.net, and um, also hosting uh, the uh, State of Control podcast on avnation.tv. So you can check that out too. And um, we certainly want to hear from our listeners. And um, thank you again, Larry, for being part of the show. We, we welcome uh, guests. We want to keep the, the conversations lively, keep the topics pertinent. So please uh, uh, reach out to us and let us know what you think. We value your feedback. And we also want to uh, include more voices on the show. Um, you can hear this show on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as YouTube. And uh, please uh, reach out to us given uh, all the methods that we mentioned. And uh, for with that, this has been Ask the Programmer.